Dr. Joshua, a professor. Hallelujah. Can you make that answer bigger for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the chain breaker, the deliverer, Jesus, the King of Kings. Hallelujah. Father, I will give you thanks for another session. We thank you for what you are doing in this place. We thank you because your, your people shall be free indeed. We thank you because mercy and grace is multiplied and released in the house. In, especially in the life of as many as are suffering from negative addictions. Thank you because this season, this time, marks the beginning of their freedom. The beginning of their being free indeed from sexual addiction and every other form of neg negative addiction. In Jesus' name. We stand on existing protocol in Jesus' mighty name. Jam those hands together for the Lord and have your seats. Hallelujah. So we'll continue with our teaching. Um, free indeed from sexual addiction. In the first service, we looked at the definition of sexual addiction, in which we said that sex addiction is a compulsive and excessive urge to engage in sexual behavior often on a daily basis and can't be controlled and causes distress or harm, financial distress, marital distress. We went ahead to talk about the different types of sex addiction. Talked about fantasy sex, seductive role sex, the voyeur, that's the peeping tom, the exhibitionists, those that want to dress scantily by all means. See how your boobs is showing. You say, no, that's the fashion. Or I want to wear sagging. Your, your, your boxer is showing, no, that's the fashion. That's an exhibitionist. And before you know it, you could even be a sex addict. That's a sign. Number five, paying for sex. Those that get turned on when they are giving money. Prostitutes, strip clubs. Number six, trading sex. Number seven is intrusive sex. Those that like touching excessively, maybe in the name of greeting. Oh, Sister Agnes, long time, where have you been? And then you are greeting, and then five minutes later, you are still holding Sister Agnes. Ten minutes later, you are still holding Sister Agnes. The greeting has become longer than the time you didn't even see her. Number eight, anonymous sex. People that like to have sex with strangers. Number nine, BDCM, and number ten, exploitative sex. We looked at the causes of sexual addiction. We mentioned that it starts in childhood. It's caused by childhood neglect, wrong company, curiosity, experimentation, a dysfunctional family, which will lead to dysfunctional children. Um, I mentioned how my wife is guarding our children. Let me stay there, stay there a little bit for a minute. Guarding our children, watching them, watching what happens to them in school, what happens to them when we go out? She refused to get the help. She doesn't want anyone to be alone with her children. She's just monitoring them. When you monitor your children like that, they are unlikely to end up as sex addicts or any other negative addiction for that matter. 
say that again. Sex addiction starts in childhood. When you monitor your children, who has access to them, be it an uncle or auntie or a house help, monitor where they go to, what they do. My daughter has a phone. My wife goes through her phone from time to time, just impromptu, like that. That doesn't mean she's totally clean, but at least she's been monitored and she knows she's been monitored. The boys are being monitored. When you monitor your children like that, they are unlikely to end up with sex addiction or any other negative addiction. And if it starts, you will notice it and curb it immediately. Then we have the biological factor and then the attachment disorders. We mentioned the signs of sexual addiction, that they have a secret life, they've tried to stop, and they fail to stop. In this service, we're going to be looking at the evil of sexual addiction. What makes sexual addiction bad? That's one. Two, we're going to be looking at the consequences of sexual addiction. And then we're going to be looking at keys to breaking sexual addiction and then steps to breaking sexual addiction. It sounds like a lot, Abby. Let's see what we can do. We'll stop anywhere we can stop. So what makes addiction bad? You know, the reason why I'm teaching these specific topics is that I've been a sex addict for most of my life until six years ago. So I can relate. For a long time, I never thought what I was doing was bad. I just felt I'm having pleasure. I'm not disturbing anybody and I'm even paying for it and I'm even being asked for it. You know? So what am I doing that is bad? So someone may be here rationalizing that negative, addictive behavior and feeling that I'm just in my house Masturbating, I'm not disturbing anybody. It's sex addiction and it's bad. What makes it bad? Number one, because you get pleasure without caring about yourself or others. E.g. Amnon. At the time you are doing it, you don't care about yourself. The disease, the shame, the punishment, the wastage of money it causes, the girl you raped or the man that you, whose heart you broke your mother that has a high blood pressure because of your drinking problem or your drug problem or your sex-related problems, the problem and disgrace you caused at work, the money you stole to go and act out that addiction, the money you wasted, that's what makes it bad. Number two, you engage in pleasure outside of the confines of morality. Genesis 2, 16-17, God said, and the Lord commanded him, you may eat freely from every tree of the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So you are, you are outside the confines of morality. No matter how much your five-year-old child likes to drive a car, you don't give him that car. Number three reason why addiction is bad is that it takes a disproportionate amount of your time, your energy, your creativity, your resources that you could have used for work, that you could have used for God, that you could have used for the society, that you could have used for the family. In fact, a study has shown that those that watch porn usually perform less at work. Their productivity at work is lower. If you look at Sodom and Gomorrah, instead of them developing the society, they were busy thinking of how to do one pleasurable thing or the other. At the end of the day, their society collapsed. In fact, they came and they were conquered. The strength they should have used to build a strong army they were busy using it, engaging in sodomy and other sexual activities. The Bible says in Mark 12, 30, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, with all your time. 
not sex or that sexual behavior. You spend so much time thinking of sex, so much money engaging in it, so much energy doing it for hours at a time. That's not um, appropriate. Number four, it breeds God's laws, just like we mentioned. Number five, it breeds injustice and unfairness. You're cheating on your spouse. You're having sex for Max. You're having sex for job promotion and other things. It leads, down, it leads to a breakdown in the society. That's number six. I like to call it Sodogoms, the society. Society just becomes like Sodom and Gomorrah. And then, uh, are you now the salt of the earth, of the earth, or are you the problem of the earth? Are you a solution in the society, or are you a problem of the society? If you are into negative addiction, sex addiction, drug addiction, you become part of the problem of society rather than a solution or rather than a salt of the earth. What are the consequences of addiction? Number one consequence is that it progresses. <clears throat> one problem about addiction is that it gets worse and worse and worse if you don't do something about it. James chapter 1, verse 13 to 15. When tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Now, verse 15, very, you know, important. Then after that desire is conceived, that's you have desire now, then it gets conceived. It gives back to sin, so you now have sin. That's number three. Then the sin, when it is full grown, so it's growing now, gives back to death. You can see the stages. It progresses until it destroys the person. But that is not you in the name of Jesus. Judas kept stealing, kept doing one thing or the other. Eventually, it led to his death. Solomon kept moving from one woman to the other till he had a thousand. You know, so it progresses. Number two, consequence of addiction is the shame, the guilt, and the depression. Judas hung himself. Samson preferred to die. David preferred to kill a loyal warrior. And when the prophet confronted him with his guilt, he couldn't even deny it. He was so broken with shame and guilt. That's a consequence of addiction. Number three is constantly causing every pain and shame to your loved ones. Number four, disease. Number five, wastage and a wasted destiny. Look at the prodigal son. He just spent it all, wasted it all on frivolous living. And then look at Amnon. Amnon was the first son of David. He could have been king but that destiny was wasted. Your destiny will not be truncated. Your destiny will not be wasted. Your life will not be cut short. In the name of Jesus, shout a louder amen. amen. Another consequence of addiction is generational captivity. If you suffer from sexual addiction, your children are likely going to suffer for it, suffer from it as well. So, like I said in the first service, I'm, I was from a dysfunctional family. I saw this in my family and in the lives of everyone, my uncle. So it just flowed into my life naturally. And I never even knew it was wrong until it was much, much later. And by the time I knew it was wrong, trying to break it now became a problem. Sometimes you think you're holding a cup. You say, ah, this cup, okay, let me put down the cup. Then the cup refuses to be put down. The cup now starts holding your hand. And then the cup starts moving your hand. That's the scenario with addiction. Another consequence of addiction is demotion and smallness. Let's read that one and then we'll move to the next topic. Second Samuel chapter 13, verse 10 to 13, NLT. Then he said to Tamar, now bring the food into my bedroom and feed it to me here. So Tamar took his favorite dish to him, but she was feeding him. He grabbed her and demanded, come to bed with me, my darling sister. No, my brother, she cried. 
don't be foolish. He was trying to do a foolish thing. He was not thinking. Why? Can someone say why? I said why in the first service. The prefrontal cortex is atrophied. So he's not able to do rational thinking, planning, or problem solving. She told him, don't be foolish. Don't do this to me. Such wicked things are not done in Israel. Where could I go with my shame? And you will be called one of the greatest fools in Israel. Please just speak to the king about it and he will let you marry me. Sound reasoning. Sound explanation. But he could not comprehend it. He could not do it. He still ended up in addiction and then we, knew what, we know what happened. He ended his life. He lost the throne and that was the end of the story of Amnon. Number eight, no, another consequence of addiction is poverty and then suspended blessings. Let's look at keys to breaking addiction. Keys to breaking addiction. Number one key to breaking addiction is understanding. You need to understand what addiction is. What is sexual addiction? What is it? It all begins with understanding. That's the first step. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 32. This was the verse that started pivoting, pivoting my, you know, my journey into recovery. When I encountered this verse, and I started entering into more stable recovery. Initially, I'll recover for a week. I'll go back. A month go back. But when I encountered this verse, this was when I went to the rehab to be with Mama Christie, and I had a more stable recovery that I was not able to sustain for the past six years. Now, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 32. But whosoever committed adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He lacks what? You are very angry with that brother, that sister in your cell group or in your department. Why are you like this? Why are you so kind? Why? What does he lack? He that committed adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. Not prayer. He might even be a prayer warrior. Not word. He might even be a teacher of the word. He might even be a pastor. Not fasting. Not church. He might even be a church goer or a very active worker in church. What it lacks is understanding. When I started trying to fight sexual addiction after I realized that, you know, I needed to break addiction and I started fighting it, that's the time I did a 30-day fast. I would leave the teaching also to go to the church, go and pray for like an hour midday, then an hour at the end, 6 to 6 fasting, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. For 30 days I fasted, praying against what? Against addiction to break in my life. 30 days. Do you know what happened? Of course, I know you already know what happened. Just two days after the fast, I ended up acting out. I ended up getting involved with the lady and then I was so devastated. I sat down depressed. I said, after fasting and praying against this, it still happened? Then I had not encountered this verse. So when I encountered this verse, I said, oh, okay. Not that prayer doesn't work. It works. That's why I'm giving you this teaching. It has its place. So, but what the sex addict lacks is understanding. And until you have that understanding of sexual addiction, 
You might not break free from it or you might not have a sustained freedom. So go for knowledge. Know what sexual addiction is. I've defined it. Know what the causes is. I've defined that. Know the dynamics of addiction. What's the life cycle of an addiction? It starts with desire, fantasizing. Once you're looking at that lady and noticing her dressing or that man, you're already, is that already the beginning? You are laying the egg already. So that fantasizing is already addiction. The evolution of the addiction, the complication, the consequences, the treatment, the follow-up. How do you break addiction? You need to have that understanding. And that's what we're teaching today. Psalm 82 verse 6. Let's take it from verse 5. The gods know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. All the foundation of the earth are shaking. I have said, ye are gods, are all of, and all of you are sons of the Most High. But you die like mere mortals and fall like every other ruler. Why? Because of lack of understanding. Number two key to breaking addiction, which is part of why you need understanding, is that it is a multi, you need a multi-dimensional approach. To break addiction, you need a multi-dimensional approach. If you approach it by prayer alone, it to fail. If you approach it all by teaching alone, it will fail. If you approach it all by just a rehab alone, it will fail. It's a multi-dimensional problem. So you need a multi-dimensional approach. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 13 to 18. Or let me just read some portions of it. He said, therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the evil day, when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground after doing everything to stand. Stand firm then. That's doing everything. Whatever it is you need to, if it's prayer, you need to pray, pray. If you need to study the word on it, study. If you need to know what are your triggers are, ah, know it. If you need to know how it started and what is making you to go into that addiction, is it because of pleasure? Is it when you feel depressed? Is it a mood addiction? Is it a psychological addiction? Is it a social addiction? Is it because of that friend? You need to find the root cause of it. Add all this together. That's when you're able to break it. It's just like preparing a soup. If you want to prepare a goosey soup, it's not just a goose. It's not just leaf. It's, just not, it's not just meat. It's everything together and in a certain order. That's how it is. It's a multi-dimensional approach. So addiction is a spiritual problem. So there's demonic part, a part of it. We mentioned that in the first service. But it is also a psychological problem. There's a way the addict thinks and justifies what it does. So you need to break that psychology and make him understand that, no, what you are doing is evil. And this is how it's going to progress. And this is why it is wrong. It is also a social problem. So we have an addictive society. So if you are someone that is trying to break free from addiction, there are places you don't go. When I was trying to, when I was recovering and breaking free from addiction, there are parts of the city I didn't used to go to. Is that serious? I don't pass the red light zones. Maybe it's a, a, a prostitute are standing on the road or they are doing something. I don't pass that road. It's as serious as that. It's as serious as a life and death battle. So I avoid such roads when I was recovering from addiction. So, and then you avoid some certain friends. You avoid internet. That time when I was recovering, if something flashed on the internet, I just closed my eyes, covered the thing, and then... Because just that flash alone, you get... Because it, it's, it's something that you like. You have a weakness for it. So you can't even afford one second of exposure. 
again, when I was recovering from addiction, I hardly greet. I don't even associate with ladies. I don't greet. I don't carry any in my car. So in my workplace, they were just saying, oh, he's pompous. He doesn't greet. And they don't know what is there. Somebody is trying to... I, I, I just look at them and pity them. I say, see, if you guys don't allow me to do what I want to do, and you allow me fail, none of the 50 of you will be safe. And I give you guys just two months. The 50 of you will, all, will, all, will be done with already. Just leave me like this. When you see a lion in the cage and it's locked up, leave it there. I'm trying to tame something. I'm trying to um, cop something. So with time, when some of them came near me, they said, oh, oh you're even so nice and humble. Why are you always, with, I mean, distancing yourself? You don't come out to interact with us. You hardly joke with anyone. I said, oh, there's no problem. I just like being alone. Tell, tell your neighbor, I just like being alone. You are recovering. You are recovering. You don't want to expose yourself. Just a handshake is enough. Newton's law of gravitational, <coughs> universal gravitation. It says that, you know, every object in the universe is attracted to each other by the product of their masses and inversely proportional to the distance. So, if you are somebody that is very malignant, a handshake alone is enough. You are going to shake a fine babe. You know you are going to remember her for the next two hours, isn't it? Why are you shaking her? Just avoid. Give your distance. When you see that you are always attracted to this brother or this sister, if she's sitting there and you notice her, go and sit there. That's distance. If you sit close, you will be attracted and it may trigger something, trigger that weakness of yours. So it's a social problem. It's an habitual problem. So you need to work on your habits. Regularly and repeatedly doing and practicing something or acting in some manner. That's what habit is. And addiction normally starts in the morning. 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m. They'll quickly masturbate, or they'll watch porn, or they'll do this, or they'll do that. So, you need to break that habit. So most, and there are things we do in the morning. When you come to recovery class, they'll teach you those things. So most of the time in the morning when I wake up, as I'm just waking up like this, I just, in the name of Jesus, it is written, the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Every force of darkness, forces of sexual addiction, trying to trap me today, trying to possess me today, I break your hold. Disappear from my life. Disappear from my environment. In the name of Jesus. Any day I do that, I find out I have a free day. Temptation is reduced. My eyes are clear. My thoughts are clear. When I was recovering from addiction. So that's a targeted prayer. Specific, specifically against sexual addiction. The days I don't do it. I found out that I'm even, once I wake up 5 a.m. and I don't do it, maybe by 5.30 or so, masturbation is taking place or I'm already planning something. And once you start to plan it, once you start to fantasize, it's done already. It's a malignant matter. Just thinking is enough. It's an automated thing. You know when you switch on this light, do you know how many processes gone before this light is shows more than 50 processes but when you switch on the bulb you see the light immediately that's how sexual addiction is especially when you have been doing it for a long time just by thinking alone you are done and then nothing else makes sense to you from that time on until you go and meet that lady or man and act out some hours later what you just thought at 5 a.m so if you don't start breaking that habit early it's going to you know take over the day 
then it's a generational problem, a family dysfunctional problem. So look at your family. Look at what has been happening in my family. Don't just take things for granted. Be alert and then go for deliverance on that. You know, if you go for deliverance, the demons check out immediately. But if the place is empty, you know, they come back. So it's not as if the demons are strong. Forget about that one. As you are talking, bam, even the little one I prayed night has checked out of the life of men. As I'm talking, our demons are checking out of the life of people. They don't need to shake. You just finally go back and find out that you, are not, you don't feel like anymore or you lost taste. For the next one week now, many people are going to lose taste in pornography, sexual addiction, and all those things. They'll just be free. Many will continue to become free indeed. They'll just discover that, oh, I don't even have taste for that thing again. As I'm talking now, as you are going through this series of the, the entire month. That's how it works. So, go for that deliverance. Biological problem, check if there's anything biological in your life. Psychiatric problem, it's a psychiatric problem. Oh. Sexual addiction has been, you know, somehow listed among the <laughs> DMVS. That's the Manual of uh, Mental Disorders. As, a, as abnormal sexual behavior. So sometimes they even give psychiatric treatment to curb it. So if yours is such that has that, fine. Now, Mama Christie's Center, that's a rehab in Portacourt, was the only place I found all these things encapsulated in one place. I went there. Immediately I landed. They did a deliverance. I started my ward sessions. I went in for psychoanalysis session. I went in for the psychiatric testing. I went, you know, I was there for like two weeks. I left my work. I was the MD of an hospital then on contract. I left that work. And my wife was pregnant. Set to deliver. She was already, uh, uh, she was like two weeks to eat. Or three weeks. Every day. Uh, uh. I told her, I said, I want to go to rehab. Can I go? She said, don't worry, just go. I prayed about it, prayed about it. God told me, don't worry, just go. Immediately I went for the rehab, I called her. Ah, I see. He said, ever since he left, I've been fine. So all the two weeks I was there, to the grace of God, she didn't have any problems. And I was able to come back and stay a few days or so before I delivery. And God honored me. He saw my sacrifice. That, oh, you left your pregnant wife. You left your children. You came to Portaco for two weeks just to work on breaking addiction so that you can live for me and serve me. I'm going to honor you. And he honored me by granting me freedom from the addiction. Hallelujah. Another key to breaking addiction, number three key, is you have to be fed up. If you are not fed up, you cannot break addiction. You cannot. Forget about it. When you are fed up, you can come, let's talk. If you are not fed up, it's, the Bible said the prodigal son, when he came to himself, when he started eating with pigs, when the money remained small, did he stop? When the money finished, did he stop? When he started walking, did he stop? When there was farming, did he stop? When the thing became so bad that nobody gave him food, and even the food for the pigs, they refused to give him. He came to himself. He became fed up. If you are not fed up, if you have not suffered the some consequences enough, if you are still rationalizing it, you cannot break addiction. You need to be fed up to break addiction. You need to be tired of the stagnation. You need to be tired of the waste. You need to be tired of the shame. Genesis 27 verse 40. You will live by this word and serve your brother. But when you grow restless, 
you will throw his yoke from off your neck. You need that restlessness. I refuse to live like this. I refuse to be small. I refuse to keep failing. I will keep trying until I make it. I must break this addiction. That was the point I was then, and I succeeded. I tried, I failed, I tried, I failed, I tried. I said, I will not give up. All the days of my life will I wait until my change comes. If a man dies, can he live again? No. So wait, persist, insist until your change comes. Listen to me. You have to be very forceful if you want to break addiction. You know Newton's first law? You say I'm always quoting laws of physics. Some of those laws are actually related to the Bible. Newton's first law. He said an object continues to go in its pathway until intercepted by an external force. So that's how addiction is. The addiction will keep going. If you don't do anything, it will keep going until you use an external force. And that external force has to be more powerful than the force of the addiction. You need force. You need power. You need understanding. See, we wrestle against principalities and powers. They say they will not let you go. So you will tell them, I am going. And there's nothing you can do about it. Say the light shineth in the darkness. The darkness has not comprehended it. Say, can the prey be taken from the mighty? Can the lawful captive deliver? Yeah, a lawful captive. Yes, you're the one that carried your hand and went and called the girl. And the girl came, blah, 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 blah. Now she has just turned into a vulture and flown out of the window after you finished in the hotel. <laughs> so you're a lawful captive. But thus said the Lord. Even the prey, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away. And the prey of the terrible, I'm talking about age-long bondages. The prey of the terrible shall be delivered. So I don't care how deep the addiction is. I don't care how often you have tried to break it and it has not broken. It is ending now. It is ending in this season. You shall be free indeed. By this time next year, you shall be celebrating one year of being free indeed from negative addiction, from sexual addiction, from masturbation, from pornography, from drug addiction, from food addiction. In the name of Jesus. You need that force. You need that force to break out of addiction. I believe I have like maybe 10 minutes more. Isn't it? 15 minutes more. Okay, good. Number, f- number four, see it as evil rather than pleasure. One of the biggest problems... Yeah, 15 minutes. One of the biggest problems, at least that I had, and I've also had the people that I try to talk to about addictions, they don't even know, they just say, what am I doing wrong? I'm just trying to have fun. It's not one thing that will kill a man. So you know, you're now ready to die. Have you finished serving God? Have you finished achieving your destiny? Is this your destiny? Is it your destiny to, to have a target of sleeping with 10 men, 20 men, 100 men, 500 ladies? Is that a target? People are having target of making 500 billion before they are 30. You, you are having target of sleeping with 500 ladies. Your prefrontal cortex is atrophied. Ask your brother, ask somebody next to you, how is your prefrontal cortex? Let me see your prefrontal cortex. Let me, let me do a city. Let me see. It's better, better have a good target. Plan to serve God. Don't take such foolish decisions. Tama told Amnon, this, why would you do such a foolish thing? So see it as evil. Daniel saw it as evil. He said, this king's meal 
I'm not taking it. They say, ah, you are missing. See meat, see wine, see this. You are missing, no? You are not missing anything. I have not missed anything ever since I stopped sexual addiction. Live your life for God. One thing that <laughs> happened after, you know, I started recovering is suddenly I had too much money. And I was not under to do it, man, because in a day I can spend like 100K. Yeah. You don't know it's expensive. How much are you going to give the girl? Or girls? Or the hotel room? Okay, so they'll just go and you'll just stand on the road. You know, it's expensive. Sometimes you're 100K. So when I started recovering, I, I just suddenly had too much money. One of the things I did when we we're going to teach another in recovery class, when I was recovering, I had to hand over my finances to my wife. When I was really ready to recover, I told her, okay, once this is my salary, once I'm paid, we are transferring it to your account. So even if the temptation comes to do something, you don't have any money to do it. Those are some of the ways you cop this. You have to be forceful. You have to take strong steps. You say, ah, yeah, Mumu, you give your wife your, 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 your money. You are the one that says, Mumu, you are carrying girls all over town. You will soon, they will soon hear stories about you. Something will soon happen. You may soon catch HIV or you may soon find, end up dead in some hotel room or something. I carried my money and gave to her. So she's the one that has been managing our, my salary. I don't know how much her salary is and I don't even talk to her about it. But my own salary, we all know what happens to it and how it is spent. It's part of the ways I changed myself because I wanted to change and sustain that change. I see you being free indeed in the name of Jesus. So see it as destruction rather than comfort. Don't just sit there and, you know, keep enjoying it. Proverbs chapter 7, you say, I saw among the simple and I noticed a young man, a youth who had no sense. That shall not be the description of any youth here in the name of Jesus. He was going down the street near our corner, Proverbs 7 from verse 7. Walking along the direction of her house, with persuasive words she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. And all at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter. So weak. If you enjoy sin today, you will be trapped tomorrow and your destiny destroyed. But that will not be you in the name of Jesus. So, determination is another key, which I've mentioned. Be determined. You have to be determined, though. It's one of these strongest battles, fiercest battles you fight in your life. Be free from addiction. When I got to Mama Christie's rehab, she told me that. Say, be ready, doctor. That that's one of the fiercest battles you're going to fight. And it turned out to be true. But I fought and I won. It's a sign that you can fight and you can win. If you have not gotten anything at all, get this. The fact that I'm here is a sign that it is possible to be free from sexual addiction. Many people think it is so impossible. It is possible. And secondly, the fact that I'm here is a sign that God wants to do it in your life. You say, what I've done for one, I'll do for all. So that grace and that mercy that I enjoyed from God is being multiplied upon lives here today in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let me take one more. One more key to breaking addiction is believe that it is possible. Just believe, just like I just said. Jeremiah thirteen twenty three. Can an Ethiopian change his skin on the leopard spot? Some people just yab you and say, you can, can you ever change? You can never change. 
I want to let you know it's possible to change. When I broke addiction and I was free, for like a year or two years, my wife didn't even believe me. She just said, yeah, it's not true. It's not. But later, after some years, like the third year, she came and met me and said, you are really free. She called Mama Christian and said, thank you for giving me my husband back. It's possible. Matthew 19, 24 to 26. Again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples had it, they were exceedingly amazed. Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said, With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. This is another of the scriptures that transformed my life when I was battling with sexual addiction. I'd always felt it was not possible. What am I going to do now? I used to admire people that were sexually pure. There was one pastor in our church like that. He was sexually pure. He married as a virgin. Every time I come to church, I was always looking at him. That's, he was like, he was my hero. I just be looking at him. How, how did he do this? Because I have struggled. I've almost died. I've almost, I told about the 30 day fast. I told about, and I've not been able to achieve it. How is somebody able to marry? He's very rich. He works, you know, in a very big company. He hints so much, oil company and everything. How is he able to do, and girls are always flocking around. How is he able to do it? Married as a virgin. And I'm just like, wow, I wish I could, I could be like this. So I didn't know it was so. But this scripture, one day I was just reading and just jumped at me. With man, it may be impossible, but with God, all things are possible. It is possible to be free from negative addiction. It is possible to be free from sexual addiction. It is possible to be free from pornography, from lesbianism, from voyeurism, from any drug addiction. It is possible to be free, and I'm a living witness. And that's what God has sent me to come and tell you today. That it is possible to be free. Be determined and you will be free in the name of Jesus. Amen. Shout a louder, Amen. Amen. Now let's ten, spend five minutes talking about steps to break addiction. I'm just talking about it here um, just in case somebody may not come to addiction recovery class. So I'll just mention it briefly here. Number one step is be born again. You need to be born again. The Bible says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness comprehended not. And as many as, you know, received him, it gave them power to become the sons of God. You know, John chapter 1 verse 12. So you receive that power to become pure. Number two, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is one that will make you holy. You can't achieve it by yourself. Say, and thou shalt receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Thou shalt receive what? Power. So you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Number three, be humble and honest. Accept that you have an addiction problem. Accept it. Accept it to your spouse. Accept it to your pastor. Accept it. I have to accept it to my wife. I say, I have this problem. Let me go to rehab and be with Reverend Christie. She said, by all means, go. I said, what about your pregnancy? Won't you put there? He said, this one you are going will save your life and will make you available for me. I'm, I'm working here in the hospital and I'm, you know, I'll be okay. She released me to go. And of course, she, she, her husband came back, a changed man, and she's enjoying it till today. She called me last night. I said, ah, I just want to hear your voice. I said, oh, madam, I'm very busy. I, I have patients in front of me now. She just wants to hear what? My voice. When she dropped, I said, eh? Why wants to hear my voice? Things have really come a long way. I said, babe, what's up? So I just wanted to hear your voice. I said, oh, you this woman. Love, oh, man, I'm so busy with patients here. 
I'll call you, call you back. You know, she's so happy now. And I'm so happy that she's happy. Unlike those days that she's always depressed. You know, you love your wife, but you're doing the things that makes her unhappy. And I got delivered. God is delivering you too in the name of Jesus. So be honest. Accept you have an addiction problem and do whatever you are told. Jesus said to them, whatever he tells you to do, do it. John 2, 5. Find a mentor that can help you with that. Join a recovery class. I have to go to rehab. Identify your trigger factors. You know that anytime you are sad, that's when you must be. Anytime you are bored, that's when you start chatting and then before you do something else comes up and then you start watching all the, So identify your trigger factors. That's very key to breaking addiction. Then be spiritually active in church. Join a fireful church like this one. You can see how the, the, the energy in the house. I really love the energy in this house. Put, uh, put your hands together for yourselves. Very strong energy. Hallelujah. Then finally change your routines. Be busy in church serving God. Romans 6, chapter, Romans 6, 12 to 14. You've been busy serving the devil. That's good news Bible. Be busy in church serving God the way you were busy serving the devil. When I went to rehab and I said I had to pay one large sum of money, I said, ah, what am I paying now? Should be, it's a spiritual thing. You want to help me now? Mama Chris looked at me and said, you have to pay the price. How much were you paying when you were in sexual addiction? I said, that's true. To act out a sexual behavior, I pay so much. Then why can't I pay the price for freedom? See that and when you pay the price, that's when the grace is released. When you pay price, what happens? Grace is released. Don't just say grace, grace. You have to pay a price. That's when grace is released. I see grace being released upon you in the name of Jesus. Somebody says first and second service, that's paying a price. God is seeing that you are paying the price and is going to honor you by making you free indeed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Lift those hands to the Lord and begin to give him praise. Tell him thank you. Father, we appreciate you. There is power in your name. There is power in your blood to break every chain. We are grateful. We worship you. Hallelujah. There is power in the name of Jesus. Oh, there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain to break every chain to break every chain So I'm just going to pray again for two people. You want to give your life to Christ. You want to identify with Jesus. You want to renew your dedication to God. You want to be closer to God. You want to live a better life. You want to become a child of God. You want to become born again. Just wave your hands wherever you are. Then you be on your feet. And then you pray this prayer with me. Wherever you are, just wave your hands. And then be on your feet. Pray this prayer with me. Father, I come to you today. I want to be your child. I believe that you came into this world and you died for my sins and you rose on the third day. I believe this with all my heart and I ask you to make me your child. Now that I know, now I know I'm born again. I will live my life for you. I will not live in sin anymore. In Jesus' mighty name. Put your hands together for them. Hallelujah. Just go to the ushers by the side of the assholes 
and then you'll be told what to do. Let's pray. Second prayer, put your hands on your chest for as many as are struggling with addiction. I want to pray. Just put your hands on your chest, everybody. Just put your hands on your chest and let's pray this prayer. In the name of Jesus, the light shineth in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. Whatever struggle you are going through, whatever struggle of addiction you are going through, you are free today and you shall be free indeed. The same grace that operated in my life, be it something as small as food addiction or something as severe as sex or drug addiction, you are free. That freedom is coming into your life now. You are free indeed. Today will mark it, 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 and uh, it, from today you begin to experience decreasing appetite. You will not be interested in doing that thing again. You will not enjoy doing it again. You will not want to do it again. And then you will find yourself free. And then by this time next year, you will be marking one year freedom. You will be testifying that as at the last free indeed conference, I became free indeed from this addiction. We call it dawn. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Shout it louder. Amen. And then jam your hands together for the Lord.